Since March 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been developing content monthly, weekly, and daily for the business of pharmacy. With more than 25 different podcast channels, more than 1 million downloads, and 30-plus participating pharmacists, the Pharmacy Podcast Network is the global leader in podcasting for the pharmacy professional. Find all of our podcast channels by going to pharmacypodcast.com forward slash shows. We're excited to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Pharmacy Podcast Network. RX Destroyer is transforming the drug disposal space by bringing your facility and patients a simple and effective method of safely disposing of unused, unwanted medications. If you're worried about drug diversion and federal rules compliance, learn how RX Destroyer can keep you DEA compliant by checking out www.rxdestroyer.com forward slash pharmacy podcast network. Podcast Nation. To receive 10% off your first order, use the code PHARMACY10. Today, we live at a unique point in human history where data is becoming the new currency. Beyond oil, dollars, and social status, data is emerging as one of the most powerful and consequential currencies around the globe. Technology, computer processing, cloud storage, and artificial intelligence are empowering these data to transform zeros and ones into insightful and even profound realizations about almost every aspect of our lives. I'm John Nosta. Technology, pharmacy, and better healthcare delivery. By creating more efficient, higher quality concierge-like pharmacist services, we can transform from the pharmacist of yesterday into the future provider of pharmacy tomorrow. FutureDose.tech is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, the global leader in pharmacy podcasting, and the largest, most influential network of podcasts about the profession and business of pharmacy. Pharmacy Podcast Nation, FutureDose.tech listeners, welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast. There are organizations in place today driving change in the digital health space that are extremely exciting to watch, to see grow up, and to partner with. Uh, about a, um, just a couple days ago, the ASHP uh, rolled out um, an amazing group of technology providers mixed into uh, therapeutics and uh, pharma companies at the mid-year uh, in Las Vegas. It was an amazing time to be there um, talking with lots of young pharmacists at that P4 level, at the resident level. Lots of deer in headlight looks because with all of the surge of change in pharmacy, we know that the number of pharmacists in chain, as well as in long-term care and even community, is going to change in the way that they've traditionally been used but you should all be extremely excited because you have opportunity to do things in pharmacy, in healthcare that have never been done before. There are very few people that I reach out to for consistent input to this digital health space in pharmacy. Dr. Timothy Ungst is one of them. He's on our network under futuredose.tech. But the original guy I would reach out to 
was Harry Travis, and he helped us launch the Specialty Pharmacy Podcast, which now is part of the NASP's podcast. So I want to welcome back Harry Travis to the show. What's going on, Harry? Good morning, Todd. It's great to be back. Thanks for the introduction. You will always have a home here in the land of podcasting, so anytime you want to check in, you're more than welcome. And, and given that the home is in western Pennsylvania, I feel really comfortable there and, and enjoy that. Great. Go Pittsburgh. And you're a Pitt alumni, so that's, that's the reason that we all feel, feel like home here. That's right. So I have been keeping the cap on the bottle, per se, that pun in uh, tongue-in-cheek, about your new um, endeavors, which really isn't that new anymore because you've been doing it for quite some time. And you're the CEO of eTechRx, and you've had some extremely exciting um, changes and advancements in what you guys are doing. But the timing couldn't be better. And before we kind of unpack that, because that's kind of like my way of uh, watching the gift under the Christmas tree, and I want to unwrap it right away, I want to kind of take a, a pause and give you the mic so that you can give our listeners kind of an upper overview of why we're all here today and what your opinion is and what your view is of how digital health is crashing together and fusing together a brand new space for the pharmacist who's technology driven, who's very innovative in thinking, and who believes in using um, apps as, as prescriptions, as actual therapy. So I want to give you the, the, the floor to just give us an overview of what you see happening in the marketplace, and then I have some specific questions. Well, that's, that's a lot to unpack, and I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. So I'll try to put it out there in bite-sized pieces, and you can react as, as we walk through this, because I, I agree with you. It is a very exciting time uh, in pharmacy. Let's just focus on pharmacy, obviously healthcare too, but you've got a a $3 trillion healthcare market, uh, of which $400 billion of it is prescription drugs and all related services around that. It, it is a big space that is right now undergoing dramatic change as a result of all of the digital technologies that are coming online not just digital, there are payment mechanisms, you know, pay changes to payment mechanisms, there's political wins, there's just a, uh, just a plethora of change hitting it. And let's just focus mostly on digital right now and think about how digital has, you know, completely upended certain industries. You think about where are the travel agents that we knew, where is Borders Books, where where is Blockbuster? Uh, all of those companies just got you know pretty much wiped out because they weren't ready or they couldn't adapt to the digital, you know, you know what I call the digital tsunami that hit them. And if you think about what a tsunami is like, it usually comes with very little warning. It's very destructive, and you can't stop it. Right. The trick here is how does the pharmacy profession kind of uh, surf the tsunami rather than get crushed by it. So at eTechRx, we're, we're right in the middle of it. 
because we are a company that is that has developed an ingestible microchip for ingestion event marking, uh, which is the technical term that the FDA gives this product category, ingestible event markers. Uh, so that is, that is our space. That's what we've developed, and that's what we're about to commercialize right now. So I um, was talking to Harry before we got started, and I told him that I uh, interviewed Mr. John Rossman, who was a, a senior executive at Amazon. He's now an author of several books about Amazon-like strategies with his latest called Think Like Amazon. And he and I had about a 45-minute conversation before recording. And he said out of all of the facets of healthcare, he thought that pharmacy, based on his knowledge of pharmacy and in the back-end business of that, where the data lies, he said, you know, pharmacy is, is, it should be the, the bright, shining star of healthcare right now. And I said, why is that? And he said, with all that data, if someone knew how to use it and really pinpoint what's necessary and what the customer's looking for and what the customer expects and what the customer needs, and you put that in the hands of a, um, a hands-on like uh, healthcare provider, which pharmacists are, he says, you should have no problem uh, succeeding because really you need to drive everything from the customer's perspective. So, you know, I'm a nerd. You're a nerd, Harry. Timothy Youngs is a nerd. There's lots of nerds out there. But if, if us nerds don't start looking at this stuff from the customer, the patient's perspective, and this is going to lead me to my first question, if we don't look at it from their perspective, then it's all going to kind of dwindle away no matter how sexy the data seems and the technology seems and the buzzwords seem. And that kind of leads me to these digital therapeutic companies that have built some pretty cool, seemingly pretty cool stuff that hasn't, that hasn't stuck like they thought it would to the patient. So my first question is, why did Proteus fail? Like what, what in the world happened with them when, when we thought, wow, this organization is, is going to be the next thing. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be um, a complete opportunity for different pharmacists and, and physician collabor collaborators to put together some therapies and monitor uh, some outcomes uh, through digestion and things that were happening there. But what's your, what's your outlook on that? Well, that's a very hot topic right now. And I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt to say that the only thing that I know and we know is what we're reading in the headlines. So it obviously looks like there's, there's trouble and that they're having a hard time. Uh, failure might be too strong of a term right now. It's relative to, in terms of uh, how you define that. So I, I'll let them define it. But I will comment on why do I think that there was not greater pickup on the technology or their first product, the Abilify MySite product. And I think that there are some basic uh, rules of physics and I'm paraphrasing an article that I just read in MM&M, Medical Media and Marketing, I think is what the three M's are for. And I apologize because I don't have the author's name in front of me, but the, it was just published recently in the last couple of days on why, why Proteus is having their trouble. 
And I think one of the fundamental rules of healthcare is that I'm going to quote another friend of ours, and that's Doug Long at IQVIA, formerly of, of IMS. And, you know, one of Doug's favorite phrases when it comes to healthcare and healthcare providers and healthcare suppliers, whether you're a pharmaceutical company or a medical device company, his favorite saying is, if you don't have outcomes, you won't have income. You, know, you, you have to be able to demonstrate a value proposition. You have to demonstrate an outcome that can be kind of turned back into savings or you know, it achieves at least one of the elusive uh, aims of the, you know, the grand triple aim of healthcare, which is lower cost, greater access, better quality. Are, are you hitting one of those lower cost per capita? Are you improving quality or are you getting more people into the system and, and helping more people? And can you quantify that? Uh, and I don't think that Proteus uh, made the case strongly enough that their technology could do that. So the gentleman's name that wrote an article just recently called What's Behind Smart Pillmaker Proteus Funding Woes was Mark uh, Ikowitz or Iskowitz. Right. Yeah, and, and he was saying that the... Proteus Digital Health CEO once confidently proclaimed that in a couple of decades, every medicine will have a chip in it. And um, I, I think that there is something exciting about that statement. I think it's uh, overreaching in some ways, but nonetheless, I, I think that some of these specialty medications that you have to see how fast it's being um digested, metabolized, and other things that's going to come from the digestible um, uh, capsule. And it's going to tell physicians, it's going to tell pharmacists what's happening um, in the system of the patient that goes back to uh, customized medicine, that goes back to pharmacogenomics, that goes back to other sciences that we do understand. We're at the beginning of all of this and how this digestible pill will work. You have some insights in that with eTech RX. So, share with us what's happened recently with some of the hurdles that you've re that you've that you've overcome, and what's next in place uh, for for eTech RX. Well, the the most significant milestone that we've hit most recently was on December six, uh, week ago today. Uh, we received clearance from the FDA on our 510k application to be able to market the ID cap. So that was a, a process that started, depending on how you, where you want to kind of put the marker on the calendar, you could say it's been 10 years, plus 10 years for the company. I've been with the company for a little over three years. But the very first ideas for this came out of the labs up in Gainesville you know, over 10 years ago, uh, a long process, a long deliberate process, 14, call it 14 months through the FDA uh, to get the clearance. And through it all, um, I give the FDA a lot of credit. They were very good students on the technology. We had 
filed an application that set Proteus's product as our predicate, which is the way you do a 510K. Somebody establishes the class, and Proteus, to their credit, filed a de novo 510K, which established the class of ingestible event markers. We then filed a 510 standard 510K application that sets them as the predicate. And we deem ourselves substantially equivalent to them in the terms of the regulations around 510K. But still, it's a very new product, and it's not something that the FDA has seen dozens of these things. So they were very deliberate in their research, very deliberate in their review of our data. They taught us a lot uh, in the process, and I think we taught them a little in the process and came out of it better on, on both sides. So we have got clearance now, and, and we can go commercial and we're, we're thrilled that we're at this place. As I said in my post on LinkedIn, I, I want to thank, uh, you know, the employees. We have a great team. Uh, we have patient and visionary investors. We have great suppliers. We have terrific collaborators up at Brigham and Women's and Fenway Health, uh, Dr. Peter Chai, Dr. Ed Boyer, uh, Dr. Jose Mantia out in University of Colorado, Denver is about to start up. Uh, and, you know, it, it takes a team to pull something like this off. And everybody was there working hard to get it done. So kudos to everybody. So now, uh, you know, as Churchill said, it is the end of the beginning. <laughs> we are, uh, you know, big milestone. But now, you know, it's just the, the hill keeps getting it. It's like climb a mountain and you get to the peak and you realize, oh, no, this is not the peak. This is just the, the first peak in the range. Uh, and I've got a lot more to climb. So we are right now setting our, our commercial plans in place. We're also doing some preliminary work on financing. We're headed out to J.P. Morgan Healthcare event, you know, the annual event where everyone involved in healthcare financing, like the, it's it's almost like a Sembia with the, the swallows returning the Capistrano, all of the healthcare VCs, all of the healthcare investment bankers descend on Union Square in San Francisco the second week of January. So that is consuming the calendar right now. But it is an exciting time, and you have been here with us for a long time, and I appreciate your support and interest throughout it. Yeah, this excites me because I think of different uh, chronic disease states that I've heard so much about and have been involved in from a supportive perspective in the world of uh, opioid usage disorder and understanding how that affects families and communities. And when I think of the ID capsule as this ingestible wireless sensor that transmits information back to the the wearable that then gives the data to the the capturing device the phone and then it transmits it back to that central place where the physician has access to it the pharmacist can get access to it to collaborate on what's happening in that patient you guys are staging to get to this next level i absolutely agree with you after 10 years of doing podcasting, I'm now at a plateau where it's really time to dig into important conversations to advance specific things happening in the business of pharmacy. And one of those, of course, is the digital health side of, of this. So we're going to grow out this content. But 
what is the next steps for um, for eTechRx and the ID capsule? You know, our next steps are to prove the, you know, I'll go right back to what we said at the very beginning. Uh, we need to prove the outcomes. And we need to prove that improving adherence improves healthcare outcomes, lowers quality, improves access, all of those things. And we have a number of conversations going on now with potential collaborators that will set the stage for kind of focused pilots, focused studies that will be large in scope, but focused in a particular therapy area on a particular set of patients uh, to deliver that data, to generate that data that says, okay, if you get a 5, 10, 15% increase in adherence in a particular therapy, what, what, does that, what does that do in terms of an outcome? You know, and he, we think that, and I agree that, okay, adherence is good. You should take your medicine as prescribed and you should take it as closely to the schedule and you should be adherent. But we all know not everybody is adherent and you know the outcomes are what they are. It is the real world. Uh, but incremental changes in adherence, okay, using any technology, cost a certain amount of money. And okay, what's the return on that? So that's what we are about right now. So we're, we have conversations that are going on right now with pharmaceutical manufacturers, with digital health companies. Uh, we're looking forward to having conversations with anybody who's interested in working with us to include confirmed medication adherence with whatever other platform or service they're providing. There are wearable companies out there. They're talking about the digital therapeutics companies. Many of the digital apps uh, work in concert with your medicine. Uh, not all of, in fact, most of the digital apps are not trying to replace the drug. They're trying to augment the drug. And if we could include in that a confirmed medication adherence, we think, and we've had this confirmed by talking with people, that would be a, a more robust app that plays with nicely with the medication adherence, but also provides a cognitive behavioral therapy session or some motivation session, depending on what the nature of the disease is or the therapy that's being delivered. I think of Intermountain as a health system that really digs into digital and some of their specialty disease states that they have a pretty good handle on. I think of UPMC, I think of UP, uh, WVU Medical Center and right. research that they're doing. So I, I'm excited. I, I, I want you to continue to, to circle back to the network, to the Pharmacy Podcast Network through any of the platforms and shows that we build out that when it fits, uh, that you can come on and, and we can bring on another guest that, that can talk about the outcomes, that can talk about, hey, We've been doing this now for 90 days. We've been doing this for 120 days or a year. And here's what's what's taken place. Here's how eTechRx has helped us to accelerate the knowledge of what's happening with the specific patient within that specific condition. So 
I'm, a, I'm excited for you, Harry. I'm, a, I'm excited for our industry. So how do we future-proof pharmacy with the tsunami of change? Let's circle back to the very beginning of the show. Yeah. You said that it's like a tsunami. And, and that first wave doesn't seem so violent. It's the second, third, fourth, fifth, where it just keeps coming and coming and changing and changing. And there's so many organizations, individuals, people in their careers that it's hard for them to keep up. But what do you think? How do we future-proof pharmacy? I think, and this might sound overly simple, but I think the first is for the profession to pay attention to uh, the digital landscape. Uh, it is, because I said there's so much going on in pharmacy right now, you could spend, you know, if you are a pharmacist, just let's just take a prototypical pharmacist, you could spend all your time worrying about cell and gene therapies or biosimilars or opioid use disorders. These are big issues that take a lot of time. Uh, all I'm saying is there's another big issue on the plate that some fraction of the pharmacy profession or some small percentage of everybody's mind needs to be focused on. Because if, if we as a profession don't put time and effort into understanding these digital trends, they the digital trends are so they're so easy to dis, disrupt an industry that we could have people who really don't understand the pharmacy business kind of turn the pharmacy business on its head. Uh, Jeff Bezos is a good example. Okay, Bezos doesn't have you know good guy. I take nothing away from him, but he really doesn't have a pharmacy background. But he is now one of the big players in pharmacy, and. You, I joke about it in my presentations. If the pharmacy profession isn't out in front studying it, spending time really getting into the geeky stuff of what, what is the impact of faster chips? What is the impact of 5G? What's the impact of natural language processing? What's the impact of AI on pharmacy? If we're not out there answering those questions as pharmacists, we're all going to end up working for guys with the last name of Zuckerberger or Bezos or Cook or something like that if we're not careful. So I think that you're absolutely correct. Um, I, don't, I don't see this being for just one pharmacist. And this goes back to a comment that I made to, um, to another uh, player in this space, uh, Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency that focus on PBM reform. I don't think PBM reform is just for the politicians and the policy drivers and the, and the uh, lobbyists in protection of uh, pharmacy and better patient care. I think, we, I think every pharmacist that is an active pharmacist right now needs to understand it. And I think every pharmacist that's active right now must also understand the future of pharmacy and digital health so that you have at least some level of knowledge of how this will affect your career and how this is going to affect the pharmacist role in healthcare. Agreed, 100%. So once again, uh, Harry, we got to have you back as you make your next plateau in the, um, in the climb to the peak. And um, I don't think that'll ever come, by the way. I think we're always going to have plateaus that we're going to have to keep uh, climbing until we decide it's time to retire. <laughs> then maybe that's our peak. 
Um, but I so much enjoy your insights and uh, our friendship throughout the years and meeting you the very first time at a conference room in New Jersey uh, with uh, Armada Health, who's transformed into Assembia. What an amazing organization and what they've done over the years. But I just thank you so much for your insights and what, what you do for, for the pharmacy industry. Well, right back at you. Uh, thanks for all you do and have a very happy holiday. It's my pleasure to be on your podcast. We were talking with Harry Travis on futuredose.tech, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. We thank you for listening. The way that you can help us with this publication, which, by the way, is your publication, because the pharmacist is the hub of healthcare, is to share these and to get these out through LinkedIn and other social media. And once again, I thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you for listening to futuredose.tech. If you enjoyed this episode, please share this podcast on your favorite social media outlets. Be sure to stay connected to the Pharmacy Podcast Network and return for your next futuredose.tech episode coming soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.